Welcome to the West Virginia Writers Podcast, a service of West Virginia Writers Incorporated, the Mountain State's largest all-volunteer nonprofit organization dedicated to writers. Established and incorporated in 1977, West Virginia Writers continues to support writers in writing statewide through program sponsorship, an annual writing contest, and an annual summer writers conference. This podcast is dedicated to promoting the organization, its members, and events, as well as writers throughout Appalachia and beyond. And now, broadcasting from atop a hill in Mercer County, here is your host, Eric Fritzhughes. Thank you, Gertrude, and hola, listeners. Welcome to Episode 49 of the West Virginia Writers Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Fritzhughes. This week marks Part 2 of our Contest Cast series, Illuminating the Details in West Virginia Writers' Annual Writing Contest 2011 Edition. As such, it would probably be a good idea if you had copies of our contest entry forms on hand to follow along as we answer your frequently asked questions. And once again, we have two guests joining us to help do this. Via Skype from her home in Madison, West Virginia, is West Virginia Writers' first vice president and our 2011 contest coordinator, Teresa Newsom. Teresa is a graduate of Marshall University and works as a certified paralegal. She is the recipient of a past West Virginia Commission on the Arts Individual Artist Award. She served our organization as secretary from 2009 through 2010 and this past June was elected to first vice president. She assisted her mother, Nadine McKinney, with the coordination of the 2010 New Mountain Voices Student Contest, but 2011 is Teresa's first year as overall contest coordinator. Our second guest, also via Skype, from his home near Clarksburg, is Mr. Steve Goff. Steve is our contest coordinator emeritus, meaning he did the job for the past two years. Now, for those of you who attended the past two West Virginia Writers Summer Conferences, you might recognize Steve, or at least his voice, from our Friday night entertainment stage. Steve is a stand-up comic on occasion, and this year he'll be back at our summer conference as the organizer of our Friday night entertainment altogether. It will be an evening of improv, which I have been drafted to participate in. Teresa and Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Eric. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. We're at the midpoint of West Virginia Writers' annual writing contest right now, or rather, we were earlier this week. How are we looking, Teresa, as far as the entries are concerned? Well, Eric, it looks pretty good. Uh, the entries are a little slow at coming in at this time of year, and, and I expect that they will pick up. But right now, a few of the categories don't have a lot of entries in, so for those folks that haven't entered yet, it would be a good time to send their entries in. We like to give a little bit of odds help for those taking bets, um, what ca- what categories are, are looking like they could use some entries in case people would like to, to enter those, increasing their odds of winning? The nonfiction category and um, one of our new alternating categories this year is animals, and that one doesn't have a lot of entries yet. That has the potential to be really fun, and I remember when when we were in our last board meeting, and had come up with uh, that as a, a category, we were kind of picturing sort of James Harriet-style animal writing, uh, telling stories about animals. But just about anybody that has pets would have uh, some sort of, of wonderful story regarding their, their animal at some point during its life. And so it's open for fiction, nonfiction, poetry, essay, what have you. And I think people should really take a second look at that and maybe take advantage of it. Yes, this one, um, since this is, we have two categories that are alternating, and 
since this one did kind of replace the humor section, um, you know, it's wide open for humorous stories about your animals. And if you put them on the battlefield, you could have funny animal stories at war. So you've got two categories right there. <laughs> Interim in both. Well, as Steve can tell you, having low numbers at the midpoint of the contest is nothing to be scared of because we had very low numbers last year and pretty much all years in recent memory at this point because writers tend to be deadline oriented Mm -hmm. and when that that march 15th deadline is approaching that's when things will start to be printed out and mailed in that is true my experience the last two years the the two years i did it uh it does uh just there's a balloon that falls through the timetable and as you said eric it is deadline oriented uh we'll get some some entries where people were sitting on them ready to go when the contest opened and then it's a matter where the procrastination and art and creativity meet each other and people keep looking at the calendar. And uh, But the sooner you get them in, uh, you feel good about that, and then maybe you can go back and go through your stash and find some other stories that you can polish up, and, and the more entries you have in, you mentioned the mathematics of it, the more entries, the more chances you have to win. So, What about our New Mountain Voices student contest? How are the entries coming in for it? Well, those entries are, are a little low right now also, uh, but I expect those to pick up because, you know, last year I did help my mother with um, the New Mountain Voices uh, contest, and it seemed like closer to the deadline we started getting packets from teachers where they, you know, all the students in their class or the ones that wanted to enter, you know, we'd get packets of maybe 10 to 30 entries at one time. And uh, so I anticipate that to start picking up. And I know that in the past couple of weeks, we've had a lot of interest coming in by email from teachers asking for the contest entry form so that they can pass out to their students. So there'll be entries coming your way, I'm sure. Right. We talked a little bit about the judges for this year's contest during our last contest cast and gave a preview of some of them. Uh, for the past few weeks, though, well, we've had the full list of judges available at the website and on our contest page as well as our blog. So we invite people to go and check that out to find out who the judges are for the individual categories. Before we get into answering some of the frequently asked questions that come up about the contest, I thought it would be good to take a moment uh, for our current contest coordinator and the previous contest coordinator to kind of team up and talk about the whole contest coordination process. Uh, it is not a simple job, and I think that needs to be emphasized to people who are, are thinking about entering this just to help encourage everybody to get the details right on their end to help you guys out in the long run. How, how does the the process work? Well, I, I for one, uh, first, I'm very glad that Teresa is doing it this year. It is a very time-consuming, labor-intensive process. It's very rewarding. I made so many great contacts and and uh, so many good friends uh, that I met through the process. But it does, Teresa and I chatted this morning, it does inhabit your house and take over uh, your, your your time. But so in that regard, just like when you would submit a piece of writing to a publisher, to a magazine, uh, they have format rules. And uh, some of those places, if they see something in, in uh, the format that you've done that they didn't call for or that you didn't do that they called for, uh, it doesn't get through the gate. And uh, we're not that tough. Uh, Teresa and I both have talked. I did a lot of it last year. She's already done some of this this year. Where, where you see a problem, we contact the uh, the contestant, and it, it can be corrected. 
But as you get closer and closer to the deadline and as they start to pile up on, on our end as the coordinator and you know that you have to get them at one point when you're all finished from your place to the, to the 12 judges around the country, uh, it's impossible to get back and, and have folks uh, 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 fix things up. So uh, I think Teresa would agree with this. I mean, one of the main things is, and it may seem obvious, but it's just to follow the instructions closely. Um, I, I was kidding that it was like when you send a kid off to school or you go out for a job interview, you want to be prepared. You want to make sure you've got all the, the, the right money in the envelope, that you've uh, got the word count correct. Uh, uh, you've got, you don't have your name on the, uh, on the piece, which what we ask. Um, and you, you pay attention to the deadlines. If you're past the deadline, there's a $2 late fee that you, you know that you're, you're late, so you add that. And, and just the details, all the answers, uh, the, most of the questions you have are right there on that form. But if it's still not clear, uh, you can contact Teresa or another member of West Virginia Riders who has some experience with the contest, and they can clarify that for you. And, Teresa, what has your process been as entries have been coming in? Do you just have large bins laying around for each category? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I made a trip to, uh, to Staples <laughs> before we got started on this. And uh, and I have a couple of big expandable folders that this is rapidly outgrowing. And then I'll move it to larger bins. But what I'm doing is they come in is I take the entry form that the folks send with their entry and I give it a number. You know, like if it's nonfiction, it, it will have like NF at the top with, you know, just a number one, two, three, four, five. But as these entries come in, I put them on a spreadsheet uh, with the entry number, and then I also just pin in the entry number on their um, entry form that they send that has their name and address and everything. And all that information is, is duplicated onto on the spreadsheet. And uh, so then when the judge gets the entries, all they get are the entries with just that number on. And then when they tell me who the winners are, that it may just say, you know, NF3 for first place or whatever. On, and, uh, and then I have to go back to the spreadsheet and find that number to see who the winner is. So the judges do not have any of the names of the entrants. And, uh, and I've had a lot of people say, why do they not want our names on here? How will you be able to tell who, who it belongs to? But uh, but everything is just done with that number. Yeah, we want to keep things as anonymous as possible in that regard. Right, and it's just matched back to the spreadsheet, so nobody knows who that entry belongs to, except me. Yeah, and, and that's a tried-and-true method <laughs> that most writing contests do some variation of. Uh, Patsy Pittman taught me how to do that, and, and when she was contest coordinator, and it's, it's uh, the way that we've done it throughout, and we really haven't had any problem at all with that and uh, so uh, the, the contestants can make sure that, that when your piece goes to the judges uh, should it be that piece be designated um, we, we know who you are and we can uh, make sure you get notice of your winnings and uh, uh, we'll piece it all together for you. And Teresa we talked about how time-consuming this whole process is but I know you've had some competition for your time recently in the form of a new grandbaby. Right. Actually, I have two new grandbabies. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah, two, yeah, two new grandbabies in, in the last three weeks. <laughs> so your your time is being pulled in different directions, three different directions at least. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Right. Well, and the two existing grandchildren. Mm-hmm. So, so I thought I had distractions with March Madness for basketball. This is uh, <laughs> yours is a little more time real real life. Well, I'll take the grandbabies over the basketball. <laughs> Let's cover some of the frequently asked questions that come up each year during the contest season. And I guess we should say ahead of time, some of these are actual questions and some I just made up to address specific points. But we we do get genuine questions coming in. And a lot of the ones that that I've actually personally dealt with this year are peppered in through here. Uh, We've already covered the importance of reading the instructions for the contest and following them as best you possibly can, um, paying attention to detail. Uh, are there any sorts of things that have have caused people to be disqualified in the past? What are what are some of those stumbling blocks? Well, well one of the things that, that can and we kind of touched on that is putting your name on the piece. Um, I know last year I had to go through some some I could get them resubmitted. Some I went ahead and used a magic marker to to do that. Um, but and also the the type of paper that you use. Uh, it's like you don't want any bling on it. You think it's like a resume. You want it to stand out. No, we want the basic uh, eight and a half by eleven white paper. Uh, don't place a cover and a binder. Don't dress it up. Just uh, your story, your piece of writing with the title, and we'll take it from there. Yeah, it's some people I think have have uh, believed that the quality of their writing is directly proportional to the quality of their paper, or that maybe the judge will think so. And the judge is fine with plain white paper. Exactly. I think it goes back to resumes and all, where everybody's trying to get a little, get a, a little edge. And here, it's uh, it's like too much bling, and you disqualify yourself. So just uh, stick to the basics. Here's one that was an actual question to me about three years ago: was do I actually have to write something to enter the contest? Yes, indeed. A lady actually asked me that. Uh, during one of our appearances, and I'm still not exactly sure what she was thinking, but this is a writing contest, so yes, you do have to write something and enter it in order to possibly win. I think we talked about that last year some, and it's like this is not a clairvoyance contest. For us to understand what it is you want to tell, you're telling a story, so yes, you have to put it down on paper. In her defense, I think she was talking about a book idea that she had. So perhaps she meant Mm -hmm. she was asking if she needed to send a synopsis, which leads me to another question uh, that came up this year. Someone wrote, I don't see a novel category among your, your categories in the contest. Where can I enter my novel? Okay. That would be under the book length prose. Yes. It doesn't actually say novel on there, which has led to a little confusion before, but right. The reason that it's uh, listed as book length prose is because uh, it covers both novels, which are fiction, of course, and nonfiction. But just a work of book length, book, length. book or novel length. Right. Uh, and I would say, too, um, it says submit up to 7,500 words. And we know that you don't necessarily gear your novel to that word count. Um, and I would, would suggest that a contestant, if you've got a novel that's that's a lot longer than that, you don't have to send the first three chapters necessarily. You can send 7,500 words that you think best represents your story, um, and it represents that book. The judges we're using are all, they're novelists, uh, they're poets, they all are, are they, they do uh, what they're judging. So they're familiar with what you're working with, and they can get a, a sense of what your book's about. I would send send the best 7,500 words uh, of your novel um, and, and along with, in that regard. The other question that has come up um, is 
it might be a little confusing this year because we've added the word topic to three of the categories. We've always had special topic categories, but this is the first year we've actually stuck the word there. And so we have animals, war, and Appalachia. And so, as we were talking about earlier, you could write a war story with animals set in Appalachia and then get the triple crown for winning. There you go. You'll have these topics that you can write either prose or poetry, uh, fiction or nonfiction, for either animals, war, or Appalachia. You know, with Appalachia, it could be set there. It could deal with Appalachian traditions. I can speak from experience as the first place winner in Appalachia's category last year, which is probably a story we should tell here. <laughs> I don't think we've told it before. Well, let me take it from here because it was it, this was kind of funny in a way. Uh, Eric is our technology expert at West Virginia Riders. He has brought. Uh, I'll speak for myself. Uh, I've learned so much from him and, and have seen has seen the organization take to the internet and the podcast that we're doing now and so on and so forth. And he introduced the idea of let's tweet live from the awards ceremony. And I didn't know much about that, and I didn't, I didn't really care at that point, and I'm so sure that'd be great. One of the things, too, is that the contest coordinator uh, is the only person who knows who, who, who is the winners up until they're announced at the contest. Um, so, but to do, get the tweet going the way we wanted it to, Eric was going to have to have a little head start and... And again, as he said, not thinking I'm in here and I could be a possible winner, he just wanted to make the, do the best tweeting that we could. Could I see those just before you announce them so I can start tweeting? Okay, that's fine. And But then it comes in about six weeks later that I see, I get the number, as Teresa uh, um, described, AW whatever. I go to the, to the board, AW the number. There it is, Blueberry Radio, and it's Eric. I'm thinking, well... We don't want Eric to know he won, um, so I kind of, in my mind, I got I, I falsified a little bit. I don't think we should be tweeting, and my whole point was I didn't want Eric, I didn't want to spoil the fun for Eric. Uh, so we we compromised, and we had a neutral tweeter, I guess, uh, a fellow. It was it Craig? I think Craig Snyder did the handled that. And then we found out that there's not even wireless connection in that particular part of Cedar Lake, so it was sort of a moot point. Nobody could tweet. Oh, yes, it, it was funny because Eric, as I understand it, I may be, but Eric thought I had an attitude about something, and really, and it, I was so glad at, at the end of the banquet to go over and say, "That's why I've been kind of an a-hole on this." <laughs> <laughs> and I've actually got the story that I won for that I did as a live reading um, a few weeks later in Lewisburg, and we may play that as a, a future podcast here. Well, and and, and two, I, I think another point that, that we need to make, and you might have been going there with Appalachian writing, it is a very it's very broad. Uh, a lot of people have, it, it, you know, if it takes place at a shopping mall in Charleston. I mean, that is potentially an Appalachian writing story. It doesn't have to be set in the hills and, and some of the typical things that it's, one might think of when they think of Appalachian writing. It can just be a story that's, that's based, the characters live and dwell uh, uh, or are impacted by uh, Appalachia. So it, it's, uh, it, covers, it covers a lot of ground. Uh, back to our questions here. One of the ones that we have to cover each year is, where do I send my illustrations for my children's book? Oh, I think Teresa and I both have, have dealt with this. And first off, we totally understand the magic of, of the text of a, of a children's story and what illustrations can do. And when they come together, it really is special, and it's what the book is about. 
but we're not in the the, uh, the our contest doesn't involve illustrations because our again once again the judge is an author who has written in that world and we want to see they want to read your story the story stand alone by itself and a lot of folks and we understand their their attachment to but my story's not as good unless you see, unless you see the pictures and again we understand the magic that will happen once those come together but for this contest it's the story text only of your children's book we have a question that is about the new mountain voices student contest that has come up this year which uh, essentially, just by example, say someone writes in and says, my 7th grade student wants to enter one of the categories for the ninth through 12th grade. Can they do that? Uh, no. We would like for the children to follow the rules and the guidelines that are, that are on the entry form. Um, there are prompts there that they can select from, and, um, and they do need to stay within the prompts for their grade level. And we have talked over the the possibility of opening up just a a generic list of categories for everyone to choose from, and that might come along sometime in the future, but this year we want everyone to stay in their own lane. Right. Hopefully next year we'll be able to add a prompt or two that can be selected by any grade. And a related question would be, my seventh grader would like to enter the adult contest. Can they do that? Yes, now they can do that, um, but they do need to remember that they're going to be competing against the adults, um, and so the competition's going to be, a, you know, pretty stiff. And um, but it depends on their, you know, their writing capability, and, and they may be able to to compete with the best of them. And once again, because of how we conduct, send it to the judges. The judge won't know uh, that this is a 16-year-old and that this came from a 42-year-old. So. Uh, it'll blend in with the rest and stand on its own merit, but uh, but against riders with, with more experience just because they've been on the planet longer. Right. <laughs> A lot longer, some of us. <laughs> Will winners be notified in advance of the awards banquet so they'll know whether or not to come? Um, the adult winners are notified for the first time at the banquet. Uh, they don't have to be present to win. Uh, we would definitely like for them to be there, of course, to... Uh, to get their award, but um, but they do not have to be present to win, but it is not announced prior to the banquet. Now, with the New Mountain Voices uh, contest, we do notify the children um, prior to the banquet so their parents can bring them to the banquet to get their award. Uh, and there again, if they can't be there, uh, their award is mailed to them. May I contact the judges in any way? And this is one I just made up on the spot. Uh, no one actually asked that, but... Um, we're, we're recommending no. No, it, it really, um, uh, those judges, they, they uh, donate their time, um, and we kind of would like to shield them from that. Now, um, some of the judges, uh, it is, if you happen to win or, or uh, you know, have done well in the contest to send a thank you note to a judge, but if you have any, uh, this isn't a writing critique, there's no, there's no feedback from the judge, um, and if one person feels like they need access to the judge, then they all do. And then if, if I were somebody, I wouldn't want to judge a contest like that. So we, uh, we spend time getting the best judges that we can uh, every year. It, 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 they're, they're great judges. They know what they're doing. And we respect their final judgment, and we expect the contestants to do the same. Right. And, and if anyone wants to send a thank you note to the judge, um, they can send that to me. 
and I'll take all the thank you notes that come in and, and pass them along to the judge. I was saying, if it's like sending an entry, like a child off to school, you want to keep it prepared, dress it up, uh, and send it off. And the only difference is there's not a parent-teacher conference that you get with the judge. If it's a parent-teacher conference you want for your writing piece, you conduct that with Teresa, and she has resources. And if it really uh, is something that needs research, she can she can track that down. Uh, the rest is just bad form, and if you, you feel like it's understandable that somebody thinks, man, I can't believe my piece of writing didn't win, but that's what happens in contests, and that's when I say pull it out again and enter it the next year because, and that's one thing I'd like to speak on, is that, that if you entered the, con- the contest last year, all the judges are different. So you could, you could conceivably enter every piece that you entered again last year. It's going to get a different look by a different judge. Maybe this judge will get you or get the piece. Uh, it's one thing to generate brand new pieces for the contest, but you can re-enter those pieces. And of course, you know it, it's an entry fee again. But uh, new judges, it's a new year, and I'd just run that, that run that piece through the contest again if you really believe in it. I can speak to that myself. Uh, the story I won for last year was one that I had submitted probably three different times, sometimes multiple times in a year in previous years that never won anything before. And it's just a matter of the piece finding the right category and maybe the right judge. You know, I do stand-up comedy. Some crowds get me, some crowds don't. You know, I'm glad I can keep moving around. Or, you know, or some people in the audience laugh harder than the others. And it's the same with any piece of writing. We all have different tastes, and, and you may get lucky this year. Eric, that's a great example of persistence, belief in a piece, and it, you know, it, it turned up to be a winner last year. And I'm not the only one that says that. Wilma Acri... Um, who is a wonderful poet and won last year, I believe, first place in, in short poetry. Uh, she said that she had submitted the same pieces over the years, just year after year. She knows in her head that is a good poem, doesn't tweak it from year to year, and eventually it lands in the right spot where it will be appreciated. Exactly. And to, you know, along those lines, and this is something, um, uh, let's take a short story, for example. Uh, one short, you could enter, you're going to have different judges in every category again this year, but you also, and you have a different judge in each category. So you have a short story you believe in. It's set in Appalachia, uh, and you've never won before. You can enter that as a short story in the short story category, in the Appalachian writing category, and in the emerging writers category. But the uh, point being is that you can send, you can put one piece in as many categories as you feel that it, where, where there's a fit. And just again on clarification, using the example I use of a short story ending up in three categories, that is, those are three separate entries. So it's not a $10 entry put in three slots. It's three entries. It's $30. But again, you have, again, the mathematics, the lottery effect. You've got three tickets in the lottery uh, this year uh, for 30 bucks rather than one for 10 So, Right. And, and sometimes we don't... Um we kind of overlook some of the categories, just like with Eric was talking about entering some of his stuff. Um, I mainly write for children. And so most of, in the past, most of my entries have gone into the children's books category. Um, but one year I had, I entered a um, a young adult book into the children's category, and I thought, you know, I wonder if young adult would fit into the book length prose. And sure it does. And 
I didn't win in children's that year, but I, I placed in the novel category, or not the novel, but the book went prize with my novel. And and so, you know, I think sometimes if you have a young adult novel, um, sometimes we forget that that can go into the book length prize as well as the children's. The last question that I've fielded this year has to do with our screenplays category. In in previous years, we've had stage plays, and then last year we had a screenplays and stage plays category, but this year is strictly screenplays, meaning for film. Um and I've had a couple of playwrights, and I really feel for them because I myself am a playwright. But a couple of playwrights have, have dropped me a note saying, yeah, I see you left out the plays this year. I'm going, yeah. Uh, like it was my decision. But <laughs> but we, we do want to stress that this is for screenplays strictly this year. It's not that we're foregoing stage plays forever. They will be back in the future. But as for the 2011 contest, please send us your film scripts. You know, as you say, this year I'm a humorous humor writer. Terry McNear and I are going. Where's the humor this year? But uh, you know, but we understand. I mean, it's fun to keep some rotating slots uh, and to keep the contest fresh, and that's what's happened this year. And and that just gives playwrights and humor writers a year to polish their stuff till next year. Well, Steve and Teresa, do you have any other things that uh, are commonly asked questions? Well, I had one question just recently. Um, someone asked me if they could enter something into the war category that was longer than the 5,000 words. Now, they didn't want to send me more than 5,000 words. They wanted to just send up to the 5,000 words like it it has in the um, on the entry form, but it was a longer piece. And, I, and I, I told them, sure, go ahead and send it. Just make sure on the top right-hand corner that you put, just make a little note there that it's from a larger piece or it's the first... 5,000 words of their novel or or of their memoir or whatever. You can use the synopsis, which is a, is a single-space piece, and you, you can use that not just to summarize the story, but to say, for example, uh, these are chapters two and three, or this is a segment, a, a piece of the story that blah, 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 so that the judge, what you want to do is, you want the judge to know where this is in, in the piece, how it relates to the rest, but also that you you, you uh, stayed within the guidelines of the contest. And so the judge is thinking, well, okay, I see that this is not the, you know, there's not maybe the beginning's not in it or, or the, the middle or whatever. But again, it's the 5,000 best words of that piece that you want a judge to take a look at. Well, Steve, before we let you go, um, we had mentioned that you're heading up the Friday Night Entertainment at the Summer Conference this year, which is June 10th, 11th, and 12th at Cedar Lakes Conference Center in Ripley, West Virginia. What can you tell us about this as kind of a tease four months in advance? Well, um, I'm uh, big in the world of improv comedy nowadays. In, in June, uh, at the, uh, about a week after the contest, I'm going to be going out to Chicago and spend a week at Second City uh, at their improv academy, and I've done improv, oh, wow. done improv classes uh, for a number of years, and I'm going to be doing some uh, some classes on how improv can improve your writing as part of some of the workshops. And uh, under that umbrella, Kat had asked me if I would also get involved in, and take charge of the, the Friday Night Entertainment. So with improv being the, the kind of key word there, uh, we're going to be doing something Friday night that is a takeoff. Folks are probably familiar with the show, Whose Line Is It Anyway? 
Well, mm-hmm. there's going to be the first edition. Maybe I hope it's the first of it. Maybe it might be uh, an annual thing. Maybe it'll just last it this Friday night. But it'll be the West Virginia writers' version of that, and it'll be called "Whose Lie Is It Anyway?" And it will involve audience members. Uh, as Eric said, I've asked him to get involved. I've had some people already express an interest, and in. we're going to try to work with uh, a group of writers, perhaps who who uh, might want to take a chance at doing some improv to be a, a core group of four or five people that we can pivot around. But uh, it, it, it's, if you've ever seen that show, um, it's a lot of fun, um, and we're going to gear it toward writing topics, toward West Virginia writing. Uh, one of the things about improv and writing that, that kind of seem incongruent is that writers, by nature, we work alone. We don't work in a group. It's a solitary uh, proposition for the most part. And improv is about collaboration, teamwork, being in the moment. And that makes a lot of people nervous. Uh, but I find that once people take the plunge, um, and part of what, what I try to do is it raise people's comfort level. I mean, it just, you never know what's going to happen. It's usually witty and funny, and people find something new about themselves, find out new things about friends, and uh, we'll just see what happens on Friday night. Whose lie is it anyway? West Virginia Writers Edition. That sounds a lot. I'm looking forward to that, and I'm terrified of that at the same time. Well, (laughs) here's a pitch, and that's that's good. That's that's, that's perfect. That's exactly the pitch we want to keep for that. I'm I'm hopeful. I'm putting together some stuff for Cat for the workshop. Is that on Friday afternoon, uh, and this should go out in some of the workshop material. People who really want to take part in the work in the in the uh, whose lie is it? I'm going to do a workshop that Friday afternoon that's geared more toward pure improv. Uh, where on Saturday and Sunday I'll have classes that have to do with how uh, the freeness of improv can generate ideas and help you with writer's block and, and dialogue and so on and so forth and that sort of thing. So, uh, And then, as I've handed to Eric, and I'll, I'll be uh, letting other West Virginia writers know, I'm going to try to do a couple workshops even in April and May on improv so that uh, it's one of the things, you know, with improv, most people think, wow, that just happened. But you'd be so surprised how much preparation goes into improvisation. Uh, you, you develop a trick bag, you develop a repertoire with your fellow members, and but it's still at the same time when it happens, it's in the moment, the topics come out of nowhere, and you just let it fly. Well, Teresa and Steve, thank you for being here. Teresa, good luck with the grandbabies and the contest coordination. I can't you. believe you have to juggle diapers and, and, a, and spreadsheets. Well, see, that's the good part of it, about being grandma. You can send them back home. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that's what my wife used to say. She would tell her sisters, I love it when the little kids scream and scream and scream, and you just pick them up and hand them back to their mom. Yep, yep, that's they're returnable. Thank you guys for being on the podcast. Hey, yeah, thank you very much, Eric. That wraps things up for Contest Cast 2 for 2011. If you have other questions you'd like to add to our frequently asked questions list or just have answered, feel free to drop us a line. Contest Coordinator Teresa Newsom's email address can be found on our contest entry forms, and she's glad to answer your inquiries. To get those forms and that address, in case you didn't follow my advice at the top of the show and print some out already, just head on over to our website, wvwriters.org. While you're there, we invite you to pop on over to our podcast page and take the listener survey we have located in the right-hand sidebar. 
We'd love to hear more about the folks who download this show. Our opening voiceover was provided by Marcus Vowell. Our show's theme music is used with permission by its composer, Pops Walker, whose albums can be found at cdbaby.com. This podcast is a production of Mr. Herman's Production Company Limited and was recorded in the Mr. Herman Studios, specifically Studios B and C, located atop a hill in Mercer County.